Welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast here for 44 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, with one more bonus episode before the biggest draft weekend of the year. Joined by friend in life with more rankings changes, Paulson, to talk about today. Of course, he is John Paulson. How's it going? Big news this morning uh, with yeah. Jeff Wilson. We're going to get into that. But uh, yeah, we are in the stretch run right now, aren't we? Yes, I can see what's going on, too, because like myself, uh, like if I if my journey gets ever is fortunate enough to get completed and I get to have children, um, I know what they're going to do based on the sins of my past. And I can tell you have wandering eyes right now updating for the Dolphins backfield, because that's what happens to me mid show is I start having wandering eyes looking at stats. So I know what's going on. So go ahead and get that done. And I will tell everyone before we begin. Reminder, if you are prepping for, again, the biggest draft week of the year and your fantasy football draft in particular, use the promo code YouTube for 25% off a price and a subscription that's already cheap, not monthly, for the entire year. Not only that, but if you still say that's too expensive, one, you're wrong. I want to make it more expensive. But two, if you want it to be cheaper, we have a deal with our friends at Sleeper. And I know all of you, most of you, are drafting at Sleeper. All you have to do is deposit $10 into the pick section. It's literally the third emoji. It's in between two others. Five emojis at the bottom of your screen, and it's the third one right in the middle. Deposit $10 into that pick section and use the promo code 444, and that's it. A $10 deposit then gets you that sub you once thought was expensive too. So that's two different ways to join us as week one projections. The first waiver wire is coming out. Tuesday morning as well. We're literally turning the corner right after this pod to week one, and we would love for everyone to join us. Paulson, let's get into those wondering eyes and what's happening right now, because behind the scenes, the Dolphins' backfield is changing before our very eyes. Jeff Wilson, officially on injured reserve and out at least the first four games. To quote Mike McDaniel, I definitely would not be surprised if he makes a return this season. We will let his body tells us. And that immediately makes me say, why are you going there? Why are we already mentioning that he could return this season? Not only that, but Devon A-Chain is expected to return to practice per McDaniel, quote, sooner rather than later. So what I think that sets up is honestly, and basically every touch role for Raheem Mostert as early as week one. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I hadn't heard the Mike McDaniel quote, so that does... That's a really, that's weird phrasing uh, to say. Worrisome <laughs> phrasing. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, well, yeah, it's odd. Um, and and, and, and right now, just to give you a general gauge of Mostert's ADP, 12th round going right behind Devon A. Chain and Jeff Wilson, but in the tier of the backups that we really like, he's going alongside Jalen Warren, Tyler Algier, and Tank Bigsby. I personally am curious to hear your thoughts on his updated projection because I think I'd now be moving him up next to A.J. Dillon, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson around the mid-ninth round. Okay, so that's about where I moved him to, and you were right. I had some wandering eyes. I was also tweeting uh, out our, our link to, to come What's watch going on? At, Utah, at YouTube. But um, I might move him up a little bit more with that comment from McDaniel because it just sounds like – because we don't know what's going on with Wilson. It's undisclosed injury. That is that correct? Is it still – we don't know? So We have heard core, but I can't confirm that. That's just what reports are. Yeah, and that core could turn into hernia surgery or something like that as well. We've seen that happen before. So, um, I mean, I think heading into – I mean, before this news, uh, if we if we were assuming a healthy Wilson and a healthy Mostert, uh, I was leaning towards Wilson over Mostert because he outtouched 
uh, Mostert whenever he had his healthy games and Mostert kind of took off whenever Wilson was dinged up or not in the lineup. Uh, so this has flipped the script there. Uh, I have Mostert right now at 36, um, right behind Brian Robinson, Samaji P. Ryan. But if this Wilson, if this Wilson thing is serious and it looks like it may be, you know, maybe this is half the season, then that's going to have to move Mostert up, I think, into the A.J. Dillon, uh, Brian Robinson tier that you, you know, the aforementioned tier that you uh, discussed earlier. And I, A-Chain has not taken off like we thought he would. He might be used here and there. Uh, I know Mike McDaniel really was happy with that pick uh, on the draft night, but he just has been kind of mired in the fourth or fifth spot. And I know Salvin Ahmed has had a good camp. He's the third or fourth running back there. So I think he'll be sprinkled in as well. I don't think it'll be every touch for Mostert, but um, you might have a little committee there. But with Mostert leading in, you know, 12 to 15 carries a game and then trying to to work Ahmed and uh, HNN. Mostert also, as we know, hasn't played a full season at literally any point of his career since he joined the league in 2015. So I think it does pave the way to be a little more confident in A-Chain as a back we can use at worst after the first month of the season. So definitely getting higher on both of those players. But since Mostert was the one this entire time that's been used as the team's pass catching back on third down throughout camp, per all reports, he was a player I was a little bit higher on anyway. So now a lot more confidence instilled in that backfield in that range. Also, if you're drafting this weekend, I do think those kinds of injuries are enough reasons to take Papa shots on Leonard Fournette. Uh, he's only worked out for the pa- for the Patriots to this point. But if we're assuming Kareem Hunt signs with the Colts, since they also were the team to work him out, as we talked about on yesterday's episode in the feed for everyone with Andy Barons, I think Leonard Fournette has a great shot to land in Miami. So those are kind of the fallout for the rest of of Miami's backfield if you're drafting this weekend. Moving on, Josh Jacobs got an extra $2 million in bump since the team negotiated with him with a $12 million deal for this upcoming season. And so let's adjust his ADP. Where are you comfortable drafting him now? Well, I would, if, if he had signed right before week one or leading into week one, I would have been a little bit more worried about him not being in football shape and maybe getting an injury early. But he came came back to camp he reported he signed this deal with enough time to hear to ramp up and i have him at eight right now behind barkley and ahead of jameer gibbs uh big workload expected um not really where i might have had him if he had had a perfect offseason if he had a perfect offseason he might be a, a spot or two higher but i think uh he should be relatively happy and motivated here to have another big season I have him at the second, third round turn, but he's never going to last there with this contract. Since the entire reason that I have been fading him around the first, second round turn has been because it's like betting on a running back who's who we know is going to get fewer touches. Only five running backs, Josh Jacobs last year included, have seen over 390 plus touches. So you could draft him at the first, second round turn, but it's also you should be required to stand up and say, I'm betting on him being the sixth running back in the last 10 years to get that many touches again, just to let your league mates know you're betting on something that probably won't happen. Uh, But if he gets to the second, third round turn, I think that's fine. 
at least we know that there's still so many red flags surrounding his tier of running backs that it kind of just goes from, and those we have the utmost confidence in, Josh Jacobs to Jameer Gibbs, since we are even questioning Ramondre Stevenson, Brees Hall, um, and the others at this point. So that does make it a little easier to draft Josh Jacobs. On- no, I was just going to say, how would you treat him in a half PPR or PPR? How would you treat him versus Jameer Gibbs or Ramondre Stevenson? And that I'm still – so. I still have him ranked above Jameer Gibbs, but we talk about ranking and ADP all the time. So really it's about what else can you get and then get gra- and then grab Gibbs on the comeback. So if like you're in the mid-second and Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, or T. Higgins are there, I, I feel more inclined, or Jalen Waddell, I feel more inclined personally to grab one of them and that tier of wide receivers, thinking it then we drop off to Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel, and DK Metcalf. And adding Gibbs as opposed to Josh Jacobs with one of those other guys. But if you see Ridley, Debo, and DK on equal ground to the other guys I mentioned, Devontae and T. Higgins in particular, and Olave, then that's okay. Then just take the two-for-two trade-off, since that's really what we're arguing here. Yeah, and Gibbs is one that seems to last into that early to mid-third round because people are worried about his uh, workload. But I saw a report, I don't know if it was a report, but it was it's rumored that he may see 100 targets this year because he's lining up at receiver so often. So we'll, we'll see at PPR uh, leagues. He certainly has a ton of value. I believe that lions chiefs game is up to 64 and a half. Was that the total? I have to double check on that. It's something wild. Uh, and in a lot of leagues, by the way, we've talked about this on past shows, but for everyone listening, both you and I agree, it is not black and white. Do not paint yourself in a corner and tell yourself you have to draft Gibbs or Montgomery. You can do both. And there are leagues literally where I have two running backs, three receivers, two flexes. I'm starting both players. I will start both Gibbs and Montgomery in week one against the Chiefs and be perfectly fine with it. Because either is also standalone and elite contingency value, depending who gets injured there, if any get injured. Yeah, I mean, if they're treating Gibbs as half wide receiver, half running back, that leaves a lot of running back touches for uh, David Montgomery. And I think he's a really nice value uh, where he's going because he's, he's lasting into that sixth, seventh round pretty consistently. Moving on to Jonathan Taylor. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, and I've spent the past 24 hours still trying to wrap my head around, okay, genuinely, in a 12-team league, where are you comfortable drafting him? And I know you mentioned Khalil Herbert, right? Uh, Khalil Herbert, A.J. Dillon, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Jamal Williams, like that list of players going right now in the eighth or ninth round. And honestly, I think that's where I still pull the trigger on Jonathan Taylor and 12-team leagues. Because I don't think Herbert or Dillon or like the Washington committee beat me, right? I'm not scared of those guys. I think we have to get to another universe where they're actually become RB1s when really they're like RB3s or 4s with RB2 upside. Whereas Jonathan Taylor, in his best case outcome, even with a rookie and mobile quarterback, still beats us in the eighth round. We are still scared of Jonathan Taylor. So if we're getting him a discount, that's where I draft him this weekend personally, mid-eighth, mid-ninth. What about you 24 hours letting it soak in? Yeah, I'm I'm more bullish on Khalil Herbert than you are. I think we've established that the the backfield in Chicago. I think he's got a a pretty firm grasp on that. Isaiah Pacheco, I have ahead of Jonathan Taylor. I think he's likely to be the you know the lead back and for the Chiefs. So yeah, I agree. Like AJ Dillon is not somebody that you're scared of unless there's a Aaron Jones injury. I mean, that's it. Just hasn't happened for him yet. Like I I think. If, if there is an Aaron Jones injury, and God forbid there is, uh, 
Dylan just shoots up into the top <laughs> because, twelve because your teams, yeah, my teams will be have some work to do. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you're in that range. I have him at thirty, and you know Brian Robinson. Okay, you know he's kind of an unexciting volume back. Uh, probably not going to win the league for you. Jonathan Taylor conceivably could, and I think when you get into eighth, ninth round, and you're drafting him as your RB three or RB four it makes it a lot more palatable because you have time to allow the situation to unfold uh, for, for Taylor to get off uh, IR or whatever it is, pup and uh, maybe, maybe start playing in October or maybe a trade happens uh, and that happens. I, it is like, I guess he's complaining about pain in his ankle as well. He had some, some sort of back injury before, and I don't know if any of this is real or if it's just him, you know, pretending to be injured so that he can get paid. I, I don't know how this all works you know behind the scenes but i think where you had him and where we had him yesterday kind of thinking that seventh eighth round you you said eighth ninth i don't know if he's ever going to last that long uh seventh round i still would like a kamara way more than i would want a jonathan taylor i think he you know i could agree with that yeah but you know so i think eighth and ninth is probably about when i would pull the trigger because that's also the drop off uh at running back drop off at receiver where you just you don't really like those, the players that are still on the board. A lot of those guys are gone. Zay Flowers are gone. Uh, Zay Flowers is gone. George Pickens is gone. And you, you know, you're looking for somebody to draft. I think it's a good spot for for Taylor. Although I don't know if he's gonna last that long. And to just clean up the fallout without Jonathan Taylor, whether he returns or not, I jumped into my high stakes leagues that drafted early on, and I've already put in. Um, 15 to 20% bids. It may be higher. I may have to adjust. But right now, just looking at early waiver wire, Evan Hole is going to be a heavy bid on player, given that fifth-round capital, 93rd percentile athlete, and a 17.9% target share um, in college. Over his last two years in general with Northwestern, 3.6 catches per game, 15.5% target share. So an athlete who earns targets that I want to bet on having a better chance at a three-down roll over Deion Jackson, who has never had a three-down roll. Zach Moss, of course, broken arm, questionable for week one. So we may see a three-down roll here for Evan Hole as early as week one. And if that's the case, we need to be on top of this. If you're drafting this weekend, your last round, those are the shots I don't mind taking. And you mentioned... uh... Kareem Hunt. So what do you think the chances are that he actually signs there? And if he does, what does that do to Evan Hall? Then I lose 20% of my fab, most likely at Evan Hall. But seriously, uh, Kareem Hunt also, I just kind of throw him in the darts. Totally fine. And you see what's happening in drafts right now. Everyone's taking a shot on everyone. So personally, and you can rank them as well, but personally for me, I have them Hall, Hunt, Zach Moss. And that's very speculative. I understand. Hunt may not sign there at all. Since, as I mentioned yesterday, he literally no-showed his workout with New Orleans just to fly to Indianapolis to work out for the Colts, and he has yet to sign. I think maybe a sign is coming, but that's how I personally rank them. How do you rank them for your last-round pick? Yeah, and I think that if he's, you know, what is what are the Colts telling him to get him to come up there, and what are they telling him behind the scenes regarding Taylor? Like, are they like, well, Taylor's not going to play for this, us this year, and that's why he's willing to, Hunt's willing to sign. I think Hunt is looking for a starting job. So if he actually does sign with Indianapolis, then that is a strong indication that Taylor is not going to play for the Colts this year. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would agree. Jonathan Taylor has also said, and every running back is backed down because they have no leverage, but Jonathan Taylor also came out and said, he's not putting pen to paper on anything. So we think it's going to be just a standstill. And the recent reports are that Jim Irsay 
did try to trade him, but he called the Dolphins and asked for Jalen Waddell. So if you are that far apart and trying to trade Jonathan Taylor, he didn't start with a third round pick, Paulson. He said Jalen freaking Waddle. So yeah. we're just not going to get there. Like he's just going to stay on the Colts and stay buried. Yeah, that, that's quite the dichotomy where uh, we're not going to pay him like a first round pick, but we want basically first round value. First round receiver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 I guess the Packers were in on him too. I don't know if this is actual ser- actually serious or anything, but I hope they don't break up their Jones Dylan combo and spend more money on the on the running back position uh, long term but uh i as far as last round pick i like where your head's at uh you know the team has indicated based on their usage last year and hull was not in there uh hunt was obviously not in there but they seem to like zach moss i mean he had averaged like 18 touches the last four games he, he i think he averaged like five yards per carry in those four games i, I tweeted out that or I X'd out or whatever it's called now. I, I said, you know, I know it's gross, but here are the splits with Zach Moss. And he's just been, uh, he's got this broken arm. It shouldn't affect him, uh, you know, into the season. He might miss week one, but, uh, you know, they have indicated as of last year that they value him. Um, Hull's now in the fold. And if Kareem Hunt's in the fold, I would put, you know, Kareem Hunt again ahead of both of those guys. Uh, he did, didn't have a great year last year, but he still had some uh, explosive runs and, uh, you know, former, I don't know if he was a rushing leader as a rookie or something, but he was, you know, real good player, versatile, catch the ball as well. So uh, my, my money would be at Hunt if he signs there. And you can take both since we have outs with Kareem Hunt signing with Miami as well. So we don't have to individualize them. You can take both if you're in deeper leagues in your last rounds. Pete Carroll, as he always does, told us about Jackson Smith and Jigba's injury, broke his wrist in the final preseason game, and that he was going to, quote, miss two to four weeks. That's why I showed up a couple weeks ago and said, okay, two to four weeks tells us usually they bring players along slowly. Seahawks have a bye in week five. We'll see you in week six, Smith and Jigba. But not only did JSN miss IR altogether, he returned to practice on Wednesday. He's now practicing and expected to play week one. I still think he's brought along slowly for a couple games. I don't want to assume his whatever his rotational role in three down wide sets will be from week one. But the fact is now we are no longer concerned about him in drafts. So we go back to our original outlook, which Paulson, I believe you have around Gabriel Davis, Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, for, for JSN, I they're hopeful. What I'm seeing is that they're hopeful he'll play week one. He is playing with a cast on. I saw him catching the ball. It didn't look particularly comfortable or clean. Uh, so I don't know if he's out running routes because they want to keep him in shape and have him ready to go for week two or week three. So that's one thing to keep in mind. I'm not I'm not 100% sold that he's going to play week one. Uh, so I I just I just took him in the Bulldog uh, with Connor Allen, uh, seventh round. Uh, actually happy to get him there at underdog, which is so wide receiver heavy. Uh, he's got that, you know, first overall running back or first overall receiver upside uh, consensus top receiver upside, but he's still, you know, I think the third in that receiver room and targets behind uh, DK Metcalf uh, 8.3 last year and uh, Tyler Lockett 7.3 targets per game last year. So um, I still, I still put him in that wide receiver three wide receiver four range, but uh, certainly more optimistic now that he's not on IR and that would have knocked him out for four weeks and now we're, he has a chance to play week one. Imagine being the one at the site who updates underdog rankings and he doesn't even get an invite to join his friends drafting. You hate to see it. For Traylon Burks, 
He has officially returned to practice as of Wednesday. So we now have to readjust, assuming that he might be out there week one, even if it's on a limited role. Where are you comfortable drafting Traylon Burks if you are drafting this weekend? Yeah, I moved him up a little bit. This was kind of an unknown uh, length injury. We weren't sure how long this was going to take for him to get back, but the fact that he's back practicing is a good sign. He's still, you know, he's the number two option in a run-heavy offense. Uh, I have a lot more confidence in DeAndre Hopkins as a target earner. Uh, So, you know, Burks, I saw his uh, consensus uh, ranking is around 44, somewhere in that range. And that seems a little high for me. I don't think I want to pull the trigger there, you know, ahead of a Sky Moore or even a Zay Jones or a Jackson Smith and Jigba um, or even a Jacoby Myers, for that matter, Marvin Mims. I mean, these guys are all uh, more appealing to me than, than Burks at this point. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. I still want to bet on a second-year breakout for Burks. A reminder, whenever we turn from injury to close the year, he did see six targets in six of his nine last games. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins, we're now in his 30-plus season. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of regression there. So I don't mind taking Burks around the eighth or ninth round, but I think that tier of players is correct, as you mentioned. Uh, you're getting a discount on him. I still want JSN over him. But after that is when it gets a little more dicey. Terry McLaurin, toe injury. This is a player you wanted to talk about whenever we were discussing the show behind the scenes. So please update me if you have any further info than what we've heard in the past week. Yeah, I was you know searching this morning to see if anything happened this week uh, with him. He's still out of practice. And this kind of flies in the face of what Ron Rivera was saying Uh, last week and that he you know they were going to give him some time off and then get him going next week and it is next week and he's not going so uh, we might be at a a point where we're on McLaurin watch for week one Uh, I would say now that his week one is I don't know if it's in serious jeopardy but it's in jeopardy I didn't feel like it was in uh, jeopardy uh, or serious jeopardy last week because of what Rivera was saying about the injury, like they were just planning to get him going uh, this week. And since that hasn't happened, it's just seems like it's more negative than we thought. And now we're, you know, one week away from week one and, you know, it's getting close. So he might miss week one, but it doesn't sound like it's a serious injury. They kept him off of IR, which is great. Uh, so that means he's they're They're expecting him to play in September. Um, so he does move down in the rankings uh, or he has moved down in the rankings, but it's still a player I'd like to target if we're, if we're trying to buy that dip because he's, you know, going in the sixth round now, uh, maybe drops to the seventh here and there. That's a good time to grab him given, you know, the other options available at receiver. I still personally don't want to move Jahan Dotson ahead of him. I understand those that do, but it certainly brings the two closer together, given that we are still working with a, a wild roller coaster timeline. We just don't know. And so Jahan Dotson, I was in a recent industry 12-team league that's still ongoing, and I took him around in the seventh round around George Pickens and Mike Evans, that tier of players, whereas Terry McLaurin went around 
Michael Pittman, Christian Kirk, Jordan Addison, Chris Godwin. That So, like, they are literally now neck and neck. I personally don't want to move Dotson, but again, if you do, I can totally see it. I will not argue against it if you want Dotson higher as well. I currently have McLaurin at 25 and half PPR and Dotson at 31 and half PPR. I, I think it's closer. Uh, I still think that McLaurin finishes ahead of Dotson. I think he's the better overall receiver at this point, more explosive. He has three 1,000-yard seasons with terrible uh, quarterback play, and Sam Howell's looking pretty good. So I'm, I'm still excited and bullish about this uh, commander's offense. Moving on to Jerry Judy, because another situation I don't think we've been able to pin down. We've heard a couple weeks he avoided IR, but I was listening to Adam Schefter's recent fantasy pod, and he mentioned that, not a report, but he heard he had one source tell him that it could be six to eight weeks. We are looking at something wild for what is considered a, quote, moderate hamstring injury for Jerry Judy. So where are you comfortable now taking Jerry Judy? So if that's the case, if that if that's already known, then why didn't they put him on IR and just kind of knock him out for the first four weeks if it's if it's known that he's going to miss six to eight weeks? So that and they only they only kept four wide receivers on their active roster. They only have four wide receivers on the fifty three man right now, Judy included. It just seems like if if they know that he's going to miss that time, they put him on IR. They only leave him off of uh, of uh, IR unless they think that he can play maybe week three, week four, or earlier. Uh, so I don't know if they're just trying to be optimistic or what the deal is. It just kind of just submarines their flexibility a little bit in terms of the roster spots. So, you know, I'm still, you know, very low on Judy at this point. I have him at 66 cause I've just got him missing a quarter of the season. I'm missing about missing about four games. Um, but I, I did see you, you actually retweeted that, uh, blurb by, uh, by Schefter that the soundbite and it didn't, you know, doesn't sound good. He's very plugged in, so you know it's hard to question it. It just doesn't add up why they would not put him on IR. Marvin Mims, I think, stands out as the big winner here. Uh, Sutton does as well, um, but uh, you just gotta. It, it all it, the problem with Mims or problem with rookie re- receivers in general is, if, especially if they're the third receiver, they have a tough time getting on the field. And I think Mims is going to play right away, so he has that opportunity. And you know, I don't know how much uh, you know Sean Payton likes Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy. He inherited them, whereas he went out and drafted Mims. Mims, of course, I mentioned in our Sleepers episode. I mentioned in my Sleepers article, I've been yelling about Mims from the rooftop all offseason. Now the seas have parted for him um, by unfortunate accidents. Tim Patrick Achilles injury in back-to-back years, this Jerry Judy hamstring injury. I have drafted enough on Sleeper now to know where to even look for him. And so to let everyone know, if you are using that promo code 444 on Sleeper this weekend to get our rankings and projections, there is a hell tier that comes up where you have the white in your eyes, and you're looking down at Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell Beckham, and Alan Lazard. I'm not saying, Paulson, like maybe you have Michael Thomas ranked over Marvin Mims. Totally fine. But as someone who is literally impossible to project, because we just don't know, two games a full year, what he does in a full year, we just don't know. I reach down, and that is the time, around the ninth, 10th round turn, that I grab Marvin Mims now. Yeah, and you're betting on the upside there. And the downside is... The downside is, is that Jerry Judy is back week three. Uh, Mims is the third receiver, and he's not able to you know, earn top two targets, so he's not going to start for you on your fantasy team. 
so there's there's definitely a wide range uh, there. And you could look at Michael Thomas and argue there's a big downside that he's not going to be fully healthy all season and you're just wasting a pick. The upside there is that he's the number two option, big target earner for the for the Saints, and he still has you know really good contested catch ability, and he's healthy enough to play the whole season. So, you know, when you get into this group, is there's, there's lots of what ifs uh, where you just don't know. Like the only guy that's like, you know, okay, you know what's probably you probably know what's going to happen is Juju Smith-Schuster, and he's probably going to finish right around where he's being drafted, uh, and he doesn't have the league winning ability, but he's also not going to kill you. You could you could plug him in and probably get five for fifty pretty much every week. So that that's kind of the tier we're in right there. That's the way I've been phrasing it is if you need a wide receiver four to be a wide receiver four, Juju Smith-Schuster is right there for you. But for sure. given that Sean Payton traded up for his very first pick of his tenure for Marvin Mims on day two, and he does have the profile we want as a deep ball threat. Uh, again, as I mentioned in the sleepers pod, 95% of his career touchdowns came on targets 20 yards deep at Oklahoma. Also, only Jackson Smith and Jigba averaged more yards per route run for his career in the Power Five than Marvin Mims. He was so just misused. I was just going to say, let me ask you this. What about if you had the choice between Cortland Sutton and Marvin Mims, who would you take? It comes up, and what I do, I just bail. I give a political answer, and I don't draft Cortland Sutton, hoping Marvin Mims comes back. So gotcha. that's not a good answer for you. We should get higher on Cortland Sutton, given he has, he has the same outs. But remember, they also tried to trade Cortland Sutton this offseason. So right. really, it's just a point to keep hammering home that Marvin Mims is one of my absolute favorite sleepers. I'm going to go into the off. I'm going to go in week one, trying to argue with Connor Allen and Ryan Newton to start him over Jordan Addison. They won't have it. I will capitulate. But I genuinely think against the Raiders, Marvin Mims is an amazing flex option as early as week one. Let's talk about the Cardinals because adjustments need to be made. Colt McCoy, now a YouTuber, cut by Arizona on final cutdown day. And so what are you doing with Marquise Brown? Because we can't just say like his 24% target share without DeAndre Hopkins, his 40% team that shared the team's air yards, because this is a different offense, a different head coach, and a different quarterback. Like now if you if you cite, if you're the person citing 24% target share for Marquise Brown, now do the rate stats on what it matters for 130 passing yards per game from Josh Dobbs. Like, what does that equate to? So I've been more scared lately, and it's no, it's noticeable in my drafts, to take Marquise Brown previously he were, where he was going. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he slid down uh, the rankings a little bit. I'm just really scared of this entire offense. They're just, they're just signaling that, you know, also with Kyler Murray on IR, uh, that they're just signaling like they're not that interested in winning. Uh, and... The, the best way for them to win is to get the ball to James Conner and to Marquise Brown uh, and the veterans. So are they actually interested in doing that? Are these, are these guys going to play through injuries or is the team just going to be like, ah, nah, take the, take the, take the week off and get, you know, get healthy as they sort of like quiet quit uh, this season, uh, you know, trying to tank for the number one pick. So I just, when, when a team is signaling this hard, it just really, I mean, I really, I like Marquise Brown as a player. I like James Conner as a player in terms of his, you know, he's, he was going to be the bell cow in this, in this backfield. He still might be, but I, both those guys have just, I've just kind of, kind of avoiding them uh, and finding reasons to draft other players at that point, because I just don't know how much they're going to play. Uh, you know, they might rotate them more just in an effort to not win. Uh, so it's just like, I don't know that I've, I've I don't know that I've been at this point in the season before week one and a team's already 
signaling this hard that they're just uh, not the, going to try to win. Do we have another the example? Year, the year the Dolphins were tanking for Tua and they just basically traded or cut all their starting offensive linemen, that's the biggest sign I've seen. Like from the offseason, you could tell they were tanking. They were quiet tanking from the inside out. Uh, the Cardinals are just letting you know, hey, we want Caleb Williams. We are doing whatever we can for Patrick Mahomes too. And so that's why I worry about a seventh-round Marquise Brown. Having said that, if they're tanking, given the ADP discrepancy, I still like Michael Wilson. Everything we saw in training camp and the preseason tells us he, not Rondell Moore, is starting in two wide sets. And maybe that doesn't mean anything that this offense is so bad, especially through the air. But with an 18 to 20th round pick, we can waste that pick. It's inconsequential, especially when we're betting on an alpha target, a prototypical X receiver at 6'1", over 200 pounds, who was an early breakout, 670 yards, five touchdowns, an 18-year-old before he got injured in 2020 with a Jones fracture and just kind of hid the last two years in college. But had apparently turned around in Senior Bowl. He got drafted on day two because of Senior Bowl practice because he stood out that much. And every report out of camp is that he's glowing, is that this is the guy they want to get involved. If they are tanking, they still keep him out there to give him developmental reps for year one. So I still like taking my last round shots on Michael Wilson rather than a seventh round pick on Marquise Brown. Yeah, and we're talking about two different things, right? Uh, Marquise Brown, seventh round, James Conner, sixth or seventh round versus uh, Wilson in the 18th. I mean, Connor and I just took him uh, in FFPC in the, in the 17th round. So you you spelled it out. They're going to play him. I mean, there's value to have him having him out there. There's not necessarily value to having Marquise Brown, James Connor, uh, you know, seeing a lot of touches and targets, uh, whereas that's not the same for Wilson. You're also talking about a much lower cost with an 18th round pick. As you could say, you could light those on fire if you want. I think Trey McBride, in a tight end premium is also a fine tight end two option. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz is back at practice, but is it unlikely to play week one coming off the ACL? You know, what what does it do for the Cardinals to play Zach Ertz over Trey McBride right now? I mean, that's not, I mean, they're probably more likely if he's, if Ertz is in, you know, his old self, then they're probably more likely to win. And McBride's not getting those snaps and those reps to get better. So it just seems like the young guys are the ones to gamble on if you're going to gamble on anybody in this Cardinals offense right now. From the chat, this is an interesting topic to discuss because Andy Barron's on the sleeper pod yesterday mentioned Damian Pierce. We also discussed his usage in the preseason. 86% snap rate on C.J. Stroud's seven possessions and a 60% route rate. So basically a three-down back. But given the offensive line injuries, they've quietly suffered now. Uh, starting center Juice Scruggs out or doubtful for week one. And Kenyon Green, last year's first-round pick, out for the entire year. What are you now doing with Damian Pierce? Where are you drafting him? Well, luckily he can break tackles because he's going to get hit early and often in the backfield. But he's 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 a really successful high uh you know efficiency player the advanced metrics are fantastic for him he's a tackle breaking machine and if he's playing on third downs as well and getting that those sort of reps uh and that those sort of snaps then he's going to you know outproduce his adp which i think i don't maybe you could look that up but where is he going at this point i mean i, I think i've seen him in the fifth round sometimes sixth but he should be he should be going in the fourth round i still probably would take uh, aaron jones over him but uh, I think from a volume standpoint, Pierce is, uh, you know, certainly appealing and that offense should be better, even though the offensive line has taken some hits. 
uh, with CJ Stroud at quarterback. I mean, they're getting a big upgrade, I think, at quarterback. And his current ADP is around the fifth round. He is going 4.1 or 4.12. So basically fourth, fifth round turn ahead of Miles Sanders and Alexander Madison, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it depends how you feel uh, you know, about Madison. I know you're not high in Madison. Sanders is coming off of that groin injury. He's expected to have a bell cow workload for the Panthers, but I don't know how good that offense is going to be either. Um, so, you know, I have, I have Pierce slightly ahead of Madison. Um, I, you know, I have to look at that offensive line situation a little more closely. Cause if they're going to be dreadful, like if they're, if you're talking like bottom five offensive line, then maybe we shouldn't be investing a fourth round pick in Damian Pierce, but the volume, uh, may get him there anyway, especially if they're throwing to him and having him play on third down as well. For the chiefs, Kadarius, Tony. It's considered questionable for week one, although it reportedly looks good. He may be out there. What we do know for sure is that the team kept seven receivers. And GM Brett Beach came out. And honestly, thankfully, he's not hiding anything. Honestly, he said that both Justin Ross and Rasheed Rice will open the year in, quote, package plays. There will be package players. What I think is going to happen, Paulson, is that we'll still see MVS running a route every single drop back. It won't lead to anything. And then we will get... Sky Moore also on two wide sets as it's been all of training camp and all off season. Still, his ADP is amazing. And then, of course, a combination from the slot between starting kick and punt returner, Richie James, Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice, and Justin Watson sprinkling in. But right now, how are you handling this team's receivers for week one? Yeah, I think that quote was probably good news for Sky Moore. Uh, like they're not, you know, his, his, Snaps don't seem to be under any pressure. Uh, it's more likely that MVS is going to take a seat if if Rice and uh, Justin Ross are, are playing more snaps. Um, you know, the MVS thing is funny because I just looked at his game log and you said it would, it's going to amount to nothing. It's going to probably amount to three or four starts if you if you had on a best ball league. You know, he had a six for 90, a three for 111, three for 60 and a touchdown. So he, he occasionally gets one, but you can't start him every week uh, and hope to, to get there. He does play a lot, 80, 70, 80% of the snaps, but, you know, not that effective. And I think the Chiefs are starting to realize it. And that's why they uh, kept Ross, who had a good camp, and they drafted Rice. Um, but I think the winner here is is probably more. And I don't know how Kadarius fits in with MVS as a starter and more as a starter. I mean, how do you envision if Kadarius Tony's healthy, how do you think the snaps break out amongst these, you know, top four receivers there for them? He's just a player I personally can't trust that I don't want any interest in starting. So, uh, again, when you see his ADP on Sleeper, that's when I draft Marvin Mims instead. Uh, if he's healthy, major if, because he's never been. Yeah. But if he's healthy, if he's of the right mind, if he's available, I'm guessing he will be a player that also mixes in with Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross. R Ross is the one I'm still targeting in the last round. Because I'm I'm really starting to look in that range about players that we will we would we could potentially be spending more on Fab in week two, and if Tony's like limited, even he doesn't have to be inactive, just limited. Ross is the kind of player who, if he's healthy, could blow up again in 2019, 2020. Same offense with Trevor Lawrence and T Higgins. Ross averaged more yards per route run than T freaking Higgins. He's that good. He's just been injured, and so if he has this path now, even on package plays. 
it only takes a couple big catches and one touchdown. Suddenly everyone's bidding on him in week two. So I still prefer to take my chance on Ross in the last round as opposed to wavering like or waging when I'm going to bet on Tony. Well, what about Sky Moore? Where do you where do you feel comfortable drafting? Oh, him? Sky Sky Moore around the ninth round every time. Uh, again, the drum beats haven't stopped. Even in that quote from Brett Beach, he said, no, like Sky Moore is a focal point of the team's offense. He will be in there as a starting wide receiver. Sky Moore is guaranteed to be in two wide sets. He's the one that if any Chiefs wide receiver breaks out, he's definitely the pick. Yeah, it's going to be a very good test case for uh, the small school, you know, smaller school, Western Michigan, going up to the NFL, that leap and not being able to make it in year one. But can we make it in year two? Because he did have some really strong route running uh, metrics, according to Matt Harmon at Perception Perception, uh, coming out of college and made me a little bit bullish about him last year. But he was never get able to, to get into a full-time role with Juju Smith-Schuster kind of blocking the way. But now it looks like he's going to take over that role. And finally, the Bucks kept three running backs as expected – and one of them was undrafted free agent Sean Tucker, who they did give the most undrafted money, 750 k to, than any other running back. Sean Tucker, 5'9", 207, so short and stout, but the kind of players I like. As a 90th percentile speed individual, a 4440 at the combine with a career 15.8% target share. And so if Rashad White does waver, I do think Sean Tucker is also a, a last-round pick or someone to bid on if you drafted early for waivers. Rashad White, though, I still consider a player um, who just falls perfectly. I know we've talked about this on past shows, but just someone who, like James Conner last year, who got there on touches and touchdowns and a poor offense, that's kind of like what Rashad White is. Zero competition outside of Sean Tucker, who is just a last-round dart in case White doesn't work out. Rashad White, of course, a 98th percentile athlete, with an 18.9% career target share and no competition outside of Tucker as well. So I still like taking my chances on White beyond the Damian Pierce tier of 12 to 14 running backs. And I like to add Tucker in the last round. Uh, what are your thoughts on White? Uh, I think the drum beat there, you know, has been that he's going to be the every down uh, back. I think they did keep four backs though. I, I still see Chase Edmonds and Keyshawn Vaughn on the roster at this point. So I don't, uh, I don't know if one of those got cut and they haven't updated their site yet, but um, Rashad white should be the bell cow here. And it's going to be a, a bad offense and a bad team. So it's just sort of that caveat that, you know, it's almost like uh, he, you know, could be like a James Conner uh, probably not going to score a lot of touchdowns, but he should see lots of touches. And, you know, that that's where, that's how you get there when you need a, you know, RB two, RB three uh, to produce is, is getting that volume. So it's not often that we can find that volume in like the seventh round, and, and we can this year with, with several players. With that being said, Paulson, I think we've cleaned up all the rankings for everyone. Any final thoughts before the biggest draft weekend of the year? Uh, we'll be publishing an article today or tomorrow uh, with my final thoughts on some of these topics and, and how to deal with these late-breaking uh, moves. Uh, but, you know, I would just say avoid, avoid the Indianapolis Colts situation unless you want to make some very, very cheap bets at the end of drafts. Uh, but, it, you know, it's 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 been a kind of crazy, especially from the running back position, kind of a crazy offseason. Uh, and this last month is really my head spinning with Jacob signing, Barkley signing, and now J Jonathan Taylor might be out for half the season. It's it's, it's wild because he was the fantasy RB4 not too long ago. I think spring he was fourth RB off the, off the board in early best ball drafts, and now he's, uh, you know, maybe going RB30. 
it's all really just a sign to get higher on Tony Pollard. That's all I keep hearing. That's it for the offseason. Thank you to everyone for joining us as we've regurgitated everything for seven times since March. And we will be back Monday afternoon for the first, Monday night actually, for the first waivers pod of the year. It's already that time. Don't remind me. So until then, promo code for Fort Sleeper, $10 deposit gets you in. Or use the promo code YouTube for 25% off if you are not planning on using that $10 on Picket on Sleeper anyhow. Until next week, until the regular season, good luck this weekend. And remember, at your drafts, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you next time.